Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Genesis 17 and verse 1. The Bible says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Sorry, as you go through this reading, I want you to pay attention to the word covenant. All right? And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and I'll make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. Don't read that in the message version, by the way. It's not cute. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Father, Lord, we just ask that you speak your word to us again. In the simplicity of the delivery, let it be transformational. Let there be life change, O God. Do something unique with us. Holy Spirit, I lean on you absolutely, absolutely. And I ask that you please take all the glory when we are done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, one of the things you understand from Scripture, the, verse of the, the, chapters, the chapter and the verses of the Bible we just read show us that God is a covenant God. Um, I don't have a lot of time this morning because I spent my time chatting. But our God is a covenant God. <laughs> that means that he functions by covenants. He operates by covenants. The, the, the preferred way that God operates and gets things done is through covenants. He's a covenant God. He makes covenants. He keeps covenants. All right? That's the way our God functions. He is a covenant God. And a covenant is an agreement. It's a contract of sorts um, between parties that has obligations, promises, and terms. So, for example, if you bind a house, you sign a document. <laughs> that document is a contract, a legal, a legal document that 
states what your obligations are and states what it is that the bank will do. So what the bank is going to do is that the bank is going to allow you to live in this house as far as you pay <laughs> your mortgage and keep the terms. It's not only mortgage, by the way. There are other things the bank expects you to do that if you don't do, you're in, you're in breach of contract. That's what they call it. You've breached your contract. So a covenant is a contract. And so God operates this way. When you read the Bible, you find all kinds of covenants in the Bible. God had a covenant with Abraham, had a covenant with Noah, had a covenant with David, all right? Had a covenant with the nation of Israel. God is a God of covenants. He operates by covenants. As a matter of fact, the word testament is old, is old covenant and new covenant. So it's all about covenants when you're dealing with God. And so over the past few weeks, we've talked about how God made a covenant to Abraham, and um, Toby helped us last week, and he said to us that he's the God of the promise and all that. But if you know the character of a person, that's one thing. The other thing is that you need to know how to relate with this person. Does that make sense? Just that you understand the character of a person. We say God is a covenant God. That's fantastic. He makes covenants. He keeps covenants. Um, he swears oaths to people. He's faithful. He keeps promises. That's great. But how do you relate with a God who is a covenant God? How do you relate with him? Because if you don't understand how to relate with a God whose dominant way of relating with us is through covenants, it means that it's very possible that you go your entire Christian journey and never get the best of God. Does that make sense? It's very possible that you're a Christian, but you never really mine or tap into all the benefits that God has. And so today, I just want to talk about how to walk with a covenant God. How do you walk with a God who is a God of covenants? It's, it's, it, <laughs> the fact that he's a covenant God actually in itself defines his way of operation. It means that outside of a certain mode of operation, you cannot walk with God. And so as we go on our journey with God, as we are, the, our Christian expression really is a relationship with the covenant God. So how do you walk with someone daily if you don't know how to relate with that person? There is a very unique, specific way you relate with a God who is a covenant God. It's not haphazard. There is, there is a method to this relationship. And that's what we need to define. So when we start talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the first thing that we start to think about is bless me indeed, enlarge my coast, you know, increase me in every way. I want to become everything that Abraham was. That's awesome. But there were certain things that Abraham knew that Isaac knew, that Jacob knew about how to relate with this God. We can learn from them, all right? We can glean truths that are consistent with the way God operates. And based off of that, we can practice in our lives. So today, I want us to talk about how do you walk with the covenant God? There are six things I want to talk about under this topic. I'm going to give you the six of them up front because I anticipate that I will not have time to finish. Um, today, and I'm not going to continue next week because next week has a different, there's a different angle as we, as we close the, the series next week. But I'll put it up front. The first thing is sacrifice. If you're writing, write that down, sacrifice. The second thing is commitment. The third thing is faith. Faith. The fourth is his word. All right, his word, his word. The fifth one is process. Process. And the sixth is altars. All right? Did you get all that? Let's walk it back. Altars, process, his word, faith, commitment, 
and sacrifice. Got it. All right, so let me start out by talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about how to work with the covenant God. Because the nature of the relationship we have with God <laughs> has bound him, as it were, has committed him to you and I in a very unusual way. You need to understand the concept of sacrifice in walking with God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that gather unto me my people. This is Psalms number 50. Um, I believe it's verse 5. Gather unto me my people who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. A sacrifice is pretty much something that costs you something. It's just like your mortgage, like I said. Having to pay that $2,000 every, thank you, every single month is a sacrifice. But it is a term of the covenant you have with the bank. You might as well use that money to go shopping, you can go on vacation, all you want. Because you could use it. But there is a very exact way that God would refine us and call sacrifice. Okay, to make sure that our covenant continues. Now, let me establish that in Scripture so you don't think I'm just saying my opinion. When God was going to cut a covenant with Abraham, by the way, pay attention to this, there is the first sacrifice. That's what ratifies the covenant. I'll explain. Then there is what I call ongoing sacrifice. So when God was going to cut a covenant with Abraham, you first see the word covenant in Genesis chapter 15. And what God did was God told Abraham some really weird stuff. Get three goats, three this, three that. Cut the animals in half and leave them on the floor. And fire came from heaven. Some, some stuff. Anyways, that was a sacrifice. That sacrifice was what ratified the initial covenant. But God also made a demand of Abraham that on an ongoing basis for all generations, every male child must be circumcised. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? So there is the initial sacrifice and then there's the ongoing sacrifice. I don't know why it's the male children that have to pay for this, but anyways, we're, we're, we're equality. Um, <laughs> every male child for all generations will be, will be circumcised. Now, when you take that into the New Testament application, the initial sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus. He's done it already. So we enter into the covenant. Once you give your heart to Jesus, according to Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, you confess Jesus with your heart, you believe, say a prayer, you cry a little bit, you're saved. You're drafted into the covenant. Ongoing sacrifice continues though. And that's where God starts to make a demand on you. First thing is that the Bible says that in Romans chapter 12, that you present your bodies first as a living sacrifice. In other words, the things you used to do with your body before you can't do anymore. The things, the way you lived before, you can't live anymore. It takes sacrifice to walk with the God of the covenant. And if you're not willing to live a life of sacrifice, you absolutely cannot walk with the covenant God. It's impossible. Impossible can't. It doesn't, there is no pathway to a fruitful relationship with a covenant God that does not involve sacrifice. In other words, God will make demands on you that your natural instinct is to reject. He will tell you, go and bring Isaac. And the Bible says God did this to test him. What kind of a test is this? He would make a demand on you. You cannot walk with the covenant God without sacrifice. As a matter of fact, Jesus puts it in very plain terms for all of us so we understand. He said, if any man would follow me, Matthew 16 and 24, let him first deny himself. Number two, Take up his cross and follow me. So these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, 
you know, the problem with this covenant that we enter with God is different from a mortgage. Because when you go to buy a house, you're going to sign a mortgage. They give you like 25 pages or 40 pages. You read all these things. You must do this. You must have insurance. <laughs> if you're living in a townhouse, don't paint your house orange. All those kind of things. Then you say, I agree. The bank has already signed. You sign. Then you enter. Whereas when people come to the altar to give their heart to Jesus or wherever they are now, we just tell them, Jesus loved you, died for you. He, you will go to heaven. If you're broke, he'll give you money. Sign here. Then you sign. After you sign, now we bring out all the terms of the covenant and say, by the way, no more kissing. <laughs> by the way, no more lying. By the way, no more this, no more that. And you're like, but I already signed. Yes, you did. So if any pastor came and told you, now these are all the things you must not do anymore. Come and give your heart. Everybody will say, I'm not signing. I will wait till I'm like two hours before dying. I'll just say, God, I surrender my heart and I'll go to heaven, right? But that's not how it works. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, if you want to live the Christian life, it requires self-denial. It requires a cross that you would carry and then you would follow him. So when Jesus, if you say you're following Jesus, Jesus is going to look back and he's going to see, if you don't have a cross on your shoulder, he's going to say, you can't follow me. There is no way to follow him without a cross ongoing sacrifice. And Paul starts to teach us, he says that I die daily. Every day, the things I want to do, I cannot do. There's a way that I want to live, I cannot live. And he says, you know, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? So if you're going to walk with the covenant God like Abraham did, he did it by sacrifice. Like Isaac did, like Jacob did, it is by sacrifice. You follow God sacrificially. The second thing I said is commitment. And I want to say something about commitment right now. It's total commitment. I, I, I need you to understand this part. The commitment that God expects from you is not partial. It is total and absolute. And I, and I, and I, I you know, it's good to ask God questions because how many of you agree that it's very difficult to be totally committed to God? Yeah, very difficult. Very, very difficult. And I ask God, why, why, is, why is partial commitment not okay? The reason why is because he's not partially committed to you. It's an agreement. It's a marriage. So it's like in a marriage, you expect total commitment from your spouse. Not partially. Imagine like your husband just told you, I'm only married to you on Mondays and Wednesdays. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm married to, um, you know, Michelle. It doesn't make sense. Sorry, there's a Michelle in the house. I would have used a random name, <laughs> but now it's just a name that came to my head. It doesn't make sense. God is committed to you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And if there's any other day of the week, he's committed on those days. So he expects the same from you. And that's why when, when you see how God operated with the children of Israel, he demanded absolute commitment from them. Not partial, not convenience, like, oh, well, you know, it's okay here. No. And anytime that they were not committed to God, the way the Bible describes it, that God says that they are playing the harlot, that it's adultery. That's what God said, that they are playing the harlot because I'm fully committed to you. And there was no doubt about the fact that God was fully committed to Israel. There was no doubt at all. But then their commitment to him wavered all the time. And God says, no, I don't accept that. It's total commitment. It's absolute commitment. And that's one of the issues with this covenant is that it demands total commitment. He's fully committed to us. That's why he told Abraham, Genesis 17 and verse 1, he says, walk before me and be blameless. Don't, 
all this funny business with Hagar, stop it. All these smart moves about my wife is my sister, stop it. It doesn't work if you're going to walk with me. I'm fully committed to you. I will do more for you than you can ever imagine, but I demand absolute commitment from you. And his commitment to us is extreme. It's proven. He sent his son to die for us. He sent his son to die for us. But you know the problem with many of us, me included, is that we have a very amplified or magnified view of our current life, our current reality. It's, 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 like, it's like we hold on to <laughs> the pleasures of this life more than our eternal destiny. So let me, let me just explain something to you and just understand this, the spirit of this, all right? If, who's the richest man in the world now? I don't know. Is it Jeff? Elon. Okay, Elon. Elon. Now, if Elon came to you and said, hey, dude, I'm going to give you, I don't even like, no, this is a bad analogy for Elon because this guy has sold all his houses. Let's lose Jeff. Jeff has big properties and yachts. Jeff Bezos came to you, the owner of Amazon, and said, hey, I'll give you access to everything I have. You can use my yacht, use my private jet anywhere you want to go, have my Visa and MasterCard, go shopping, use my homes, use my vacation homes, as you wish. The only thing I ask of you is that you give me the next 15 minutes of your life to, I'll tell you what it is I need you to do for me. 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, for the rest of your life, you can enjoy all his wealth. Would you do it? What's wrong with you people? You, you will not do it. You do it now. You do it. You do it. You will sign, sign right here. The reason why is because to you, 15 minutes is nothing compared to the rest of your life. That's why. And it's similar with God, where God says, you're going to live, even if you live to be 90 or 100, it's nothing compared to the time you spend in eternity. So, the time that you're here, I need you to be committed to me. Does, does that make sense? I need you to be committed to me. Don't, don't, don't play the harlot <laughs> with me. That's what he's trying to say. That's what he's trying to say. So, every time that you, you saw Israel break their commitment to God, you would see God give them a season of grace. Allow them for a while. And then after that, he will do something that's not so great that forces them back into commitment to him. The idea is not that God, it's not because God is wicked. You know, I remember growing up in church, you probably thought God was just wicked God that was just waiting to slice off your head. The idea behind, quote unquote, the chastisement or the chastening of God is to bring you back into alignment. Every time. He doesn't do it to throw you out. He does it to pull you in. He does, but many times, of course, the enemy will take advantage of that and say, God doesn't even love you. If God loves you, <clears throat> why is this happening to you? And then you will say, it's true. God doesn't even love me. I give up. I'm not coming to church anymore. Pastor, delete my number. And I'm like, that was an escalation. God was just trying to tell you, come closer, and you are having the opposite reaction. He's looking for absolute commitment. This is how you walk with a covenant God. It's not haphazard. Sacrifice, commitment. Okay, now, um, let me talk to you about the third one, which is his word, because let me put that up front in case I don't finish the others, his word. You realize that 
The, the relationship between God and Abraham started with a word from God. Do you remember that? God had said, God had said to Abraham, when Isaac was about to leave the land of famine, the Bible says God said to him, do not go down to Egypt. Genesis 26, 1 and 2 and 3. Do not go down to Egypt. When Jacob was running away from home, God met him and God said certain things to him. So, if you're going to relate with God as a covenant God, you must be able to listen to his voice. <laughs> this one actually bothers me a lot. The reason why it bothers me a lot is because a significant percentage of Christians don't know how to hear God's voice. So how do you walk with a God whose primary way of operation with you is by his voice and you cannot hear him? How? How? How, how do you walk with a God that you cannot hear? How? It's not okay in any way that you are a child of God and you've been in church for years and I cannot say to you, go and pray on this issue and come and tell me what God is telling you. And you come back and say, I don't even know what God is saying. That's, I know it sounds normal. That is not normal. You can't walk with this God if you can't hear him. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. That's how he leads us. And so, if anything, I want us to get to a point in our walk with God now, more than ever, where we start to pursue his voice. Where we start to pray and say, God, let me hear your voice. A lot of trouble that we get into in our lives is because we fail to hear God. That's why in Israel, by the way, the office of the prophet was always was a stand was was always there was so effective that anytime there was not a prophet in the land the land went into captivity and that's why in the new testament church the office of the prophet remains however the bible tells us in hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 that god who at sundry times had spoken to us by the prophet now though he speaks to us by his son so the new testament there is still the office of the prophet but the job of the prophet is not to direct your daily life. The job of the prophet is to confirm the things that God is already speaking to you or to affirm the things that the Holy Spirit is already witnessing to your heart. So if you have a prophet on speed dial that you call every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I want to tell you that that's not a healthy relationship. That's not how it works. Every one of us must be able to hear God at least for yourself. I, might not, I mean, I might not be able to ask you, what's God saying about Canada? You say, Pastor, I don't know. That's fine. Maybe that's not fine, but let's assume that's okay. But for your life, you must have a word from God. Spiritual deafness is a real infirmity. As a matter of fact, <laughs> okay, when a child is born, one of the things they do in the hospital, I believe they do a hearing test. They do that, right? Just before you leave the hospital. Because they believe that the ability to hear is important in the physical. So, in the spiritual, the moment you give your heart to Jesus, we should do a, a hearing test. But let's leave that alone for now. You, are, you have spiritual ears, all of you. The moment you give your heart to Jesus, just like a child who is born has ears. May they come out of the womb, they can hear. However, that child cannot understand. 
They can hear. There, there is nothing about a 30-year-old man in terms of that, the ability to hear or perceive sound that's different from a child. The difference is that over time, you gain understanding. So you understand that when mommy says, don't go, it means don't go. But a mom can start saying that when you're two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months, it's like, you're just, and that's how many Christians are. It's not that you don't have ears, it's that you don't understand. So you say, I don't know if God is speaking to me. I bet you God is speaking to you. I bet you, you're hearing God. You just don't know what you're hearing. And so it's with maturity that you train your spiritual ears to be able to discern the voice of God for your life. For your life. God had said to Abraham, God says to him, go to a land that I will show you. In other words, it's not just what I have said today, it's what I will say next week and the week after that. I will lead you step by step by my words. His word. His word is the GPS. Without it, you're going to get lost. You're going to end up at the wrong address. I promise you. I promise you. I remember, I remember some time ago, my wife and I were in the middle of a transaction, some kind of a deal, and things went bad. Um, and we had made a deposit of $40,000 at the time. And the deal went dead. And well, pretty much we had lost our $40,000 at deposit. I remember that morning, I got into my office. In the morning, it was like 9.02 a.m. I just got in. I was just trying to settle down. And the Holy Spirit said to me, pick up the phone and call this person. I picked up the phone. I called the person. And that's how that transaction came back to life. So I could have lost $40,000 if I couldn't hear God. I wonder what you've lost. I wonder what you've lost. I wonder what you've lost in your life because you cannot hear God. I wonder the damage that the enemy has done. I wonder the dangers you've gotten into because you could not hear God in a season. I pray for your ears, your spiritual ears, that they'll be open. That they will be open. That they will be open. They will be open in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. His word is the GPS. Sometimes his word is don't go. Sometimes his word is do this. Sometimes his word is don't do that. Sometimes his word is stay. Sometimes his word is I'm with you. If you can't hear, there's a problem. Last week um, or two weeks ago, I a particular man of God sharing a testimony. Sharing a testimony. <laughs> this man is he's emerging. He's one of the leading voices coming out of Africa. I remember listening to him for the first time, maybe like two years ago. I remember that day I told my wife, I said, this man's voice will go to the ends of the world. Nobody knew him to the ends of the world. And now his voice is going to the ends of the world. I was still just something about him. Anyways, the story was he, he, he said he was supposed to travel, go on a trip. Recently, this was like three weeks ago, recently, and he just sensed that, he just sensed that things were not right. Things were not right. <laughs> he sensed that things were not right. He sensed that things were not right. And because he sensed that things were not right, he started to pray. He started to pray. Seven hour prayers. Seven hour prayers. Now, for some of us, when he sense things are not right, he sense things are not right. You will say plus Jesus minus Satan. And you go and sleep. Pray. Seven hours the first day, seven hours second day. He called 
a bunch of people that pray with him. A bunch of people that pray with him. You should have people that pray with you, by the way. Just FYI. They stayed in prayer over this issue. And then there was a little release. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hmm. And so he said, well, the release meant that. He could go on the trip, but that there's still some challenges, right? I'm talking about hearing God's voice here. And so the day before he was to take the trip, the Lord said to him, send a million to Naira. Don't say it to me. It's not a lot. Don't say it to me. $2,000 or something. I don't know. $3,000. To your father-in-law. To your father-in-law. So he sent it. A million Naira to his father-in-law. Next day he was he was going on trip. He got in his car. He was driving. Got in his car. He was to Abuja, where he was going to get on a flight to Europe. And as he was on the journey, he was in the car. On the SUV. She was in the front. Someone was driving. His wife was at the back. Their one-year-old daughter was at the back, and his PA was at the back. And a fuel tanker. Fuel tanker. A tanker that carries gasoline. Carries gasoline. Was fully loaded. Was fully had a brake failure down the slope down the slope and the truck came and the truck crashed into them from the back from the back now the only thing physically speaking the only thing that the saved their lives was filled with luggage so it took a lot of the impact so he said when he came out of the car so he said when he came out of the car the holy spirit said to him this is why i asked you to send a million dollars because the bible says honor your father and your mother your days may be long. I want you to understand that God is not too understand. There is a way God wants to save you. The thing with Christians, we just do machine gun prayers. Father, save me. Father, save me. Deliver me from evil. But sometimes the way God wants to deliver you from evil is He gives you an instruction. He gives you an instruction. Word of the Lord in your life is critical. Your life is critical. It's critical. I'll do one more. I'll leave the rest for another day. Which one should I do? Which we said faith. We said process. We said altars. Said process. We said altars. Process. Okay. Process. Please don't confuse. Please, please don't confuse my life. Christians, Christians, many times when you're going through problems, many times when the first questions that happen, you have in your heart is you question God's commitment. It doesn't look cute. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. But it's from God. But it's the reason why God would allow you to go through the process is because He's protecting His investment. If God doesn't allow you to go through process, you will squander the investment that God has made in you. There are many things you prayed for years ago that if God gave it to you then, that very thing would have destroyed you. As a matter of fact, some of you right now, you will not be Christians anyway. No, no, for real. If God answers some of your early prayer, so He needed to allow you wait. It's God's way. God's way. God, God loves you more than anything. He's more interested in your soul than your happiness. Than your happiness. You don't like that. 
<laughs> like that. You don't like that at all, right? Yeah. God is more interested in your soul than your happiness. Trust me. Our parents, to understand that. to understand that. Like. more interested in him turning out than his happiness in that moment. And so God will allow you to go through process. God will allow people to betray you. Allow people to go and allow things to happen in your life that will reveal to you the state of your heart. The state of your heart. So that you can deal with those things. Because of where he's taking you. So when God spoke to Abraham, when God spoke to Abraham, Genesis chapter 15. The first thing that God said to him, one of the first things, God told him, He said, Know for sure that your descendants will be strangers in another land. And I'm going, How is this a covenant, God? Like, seriously? Like, my descendants will be. Yeah, just know this for sure. Let me assure you. Know this for sure. Let me assure you. That your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And they will serve them and afflict them for 400 years. This is process. This is process. And the reason why the Bible says that God said, when I'm done, I will judge the situation. Which is different. Let's not even go there. But they will come out with great wealth and possessions. Come out with great wealth and possessions. It was in Egypt that Israel knew how to produce that Israel knew how to build. It was in Egypt that Israel knew about civilization and how to teach community and live in cities. It was in Egypt. If they never went to Egypt, they would never have been able to take Canaan. Or even if they took Canaan, the whole land would be overrun by weeds. So God needs to protect his investment. He knows where he's taking you. He hasn't lost sight of where he's taking you. But you're not ready for what he needs you to do. So he's going to subject you to the fire subject you to ensure that you come out on the other side and you're ready. It's a covenant way. It's a covenant way. It's because he loves you that he will allow that. He loves you that he will allow that. For some of us, it might cause a little bit of a delay before you get married. And all your friends are married with two children. You have brought mother to five people and you're so upset. And God is saying the reason why is because... Why are you like this? <laughs> she said, hmm, I'm not delicate. I'm special. He's delicate. He's delicate. And I need you to be able to steward what I have put in him. So he will prepare you. He will subject you. And there's a difference between God's process and God's punishments, by the way. The two are to the same end, but they're different. So Egypt was process. Babylon was punishment. God initiated Egypt. Babylon was because of their rebellion. And so God sent them to Babylon for 70 years to remember. And then they came back to God. The idea is always so that you come back to him. It's always so that you come back to him. He's a God of process. He's a God of process. Are you in process right now? <laughs> oh, my God process. The investment that God wants to make in you is heavy. If you look at the covenant blessings, and next week we go into more prophetic dimensions and speak over the people, but look at what God was committing to Israel. They could not be anyhow people. They could not. He cannot. The Bible says that you don't cast your pearl to swine. You don't. No one does that. No one does that. 
when you want to get certain jobs, they ask you, how many years experience have you had? What they're really asking is, have you had process? Because we, you might be bright. You might be a genius. But experience in this case is more important than how your IQ. Because process is required. God is a God of process. He's a God of process. Jesus went through process. The Bible says even being the son of God, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. He's a God of process. So in some seasons of your life, if you're going through process, you need to discern it for what it is and embrace process. If you're going through punishment, you need to discern it for what it is and repent and find your way back. Sometimes when God is doing something in your life, your life first goes in the opposite direction. Yes, read your Bible. Many of you that are so excited, you receive a prophetic word, you are so happy. Sometimes if you receive a prophetic word, you should go and cry. <laughs> like Joseph, he never knew that those dreams were going to set him up. He never knew. He never knew. I've received the dream, sun and moon were bowing down to me. I'm sure he woke up that morning and he was like, yeah, I'm not going to take Tim Hortons, I'm going to take Starbucks. I feel great about myself and my destiny right now. Okay, okay. And then he found himself sold into slavery, found himself in a pit, found himself the target of Miss Potiphar, found himself very close to the palace yet so far. And every day he woke up, I, heard, I mean, from research, they said that the prison where Joseph was was right under Pharaoh's palace. And he had the destiny he was carrying. I'm a man of God called to the world. I'm going to speak to nations. And here you are, as far as possible from it, but you can see it every day. The things that God puts inside you, and you're not just ready for it. The season has just not come. And if you are exposed too quickly, it'll destroy you. God is more interested in your soul than your happiness. Never forget that. I, I laugh at Christians that really think, because re the truth is sometimes the way we behave, we truly believe that God exists to make us happy. We're so entitled. But let me tell you why that's a flawed ideology. Let me just clear your doubt. You did not make God. He made you. So he can, do you understand? So he cannot exist for you. You must exist for him. It's simple. It's simple. It's clear. It's logical. If you're not a spiritual person, at least it's logical. If I made something, this thing cannot ex expect me to exist for it. You must exist for him. That's it. He decided, I want to make man. I want to make you. I'm going to create you. You'll be born to your wife, your husband, I mean, your, your family you came from. Some of you are like, I wish I was born in a different family. But you came where you came from. <laughs> you came where you came from. God can never exist for you. So when we have this mentality of God owes me something, why, if God doesn't do this, I will stop coming to church, I will stop serving. You're a joker and a half. With love. <laughs> a joker and a half. He can never exist for us. We exist at his pleasure. He came, everything. The Bible says all things were made for him. Process. I remember many years ago, I closed with this. Many years ago, I had done something. Um, <laughs> something sacrificial. Remember I said, you can't walk with God without sacrifice. He will test your hearts. 
The reason why God will make demands of you that are going to stretch you is so he can see, he can reveal yourself to you. Yeah, he will. He will. I've done something. I believe it touched the heart of God because God spoke to me. And God spoke to me on a Sunday morning. I was in, a, I was in church that morning many years ago. This was about 11 or 12 years ago now. 12 years ago or so. And God spoke to me. I was praying in church. And God said to me, he asked me a question, have you ever gone to bed at night? And you knelt down to pray that, oh God, please let the sun come up tomorrow morning. I said, I've never done that. And he said, why? I said, because the sun will come up. It's a principle. And God said to me, because of what you've done, you will prosper beyond your expectation. Ah, I was happy. I thought that next week, a contract from the federal government <laughs> will show up. Tell me why my life went down. And I'm like, is God a liar? Everything started to go in the opposite The opposite happened. Went through seasons, wilderness experiences. Um, I mean, we shared this testimony before. When we, my wife and I got married, shortly after that word, I don't even know if I shared that word with her before we got married, because I'm sure when, she, when we got married, she would have been like, this is your God, and he's not telling the truth. Things were bad. There was a particular time we couldn't pay our rent. We we're like five months behind, if I'm not mistaken, four or five months, in Canada. Six months, thank you. You can't pay rent for six months in Canada. And you know what happened? Not one day, one day, did that my landlord harass me. That's how you know process. One day, Manish, his name was Manish. Wherever he is, God will bless him. <laughs> God bless his family and generations. And I mean this, I mean this. Six months. Not one day did the man send a threatening text message to say, what's going on with your rent, blah, blah, blah. Not once. No once. Some of you are like, my landlord, God will punish him. <laughs> God will punish him fast. <laughs> oh, no. Bad days. I mean bad days came. And I, I was like, okay. I, I, I was like, whatever. You know, maybe I'm just missing certain things or whatever. But I understood that God was taking me through process. And I can tell you the outcome of the process. Because I'm in the beginning of another season. Listen, <laughs> one of the things that that process did for me, personally, was that it changed my appetites. And it made me a very content person. I realized that before that I wasn't content. I didn't know this. I wasn't content. I had dreams. I was a guy that I wanted to drive a Bentley every day. That was my everyday car. This is, I'm just, can I be honest with you? I was, I was like, every day to work, I'm driving a Bentley. That's my life. That's what I'm going to do. When God dealt with those issues, <laughs> listen, a Corolla, right, <laughs> that doesn't break down on the road and has winter tires, it's good. It's perfect for me. I'm okay. I don't have, I'm very content as a person. I can abound, I can abase. I can live with plenty, I can live with much. I can empathize with people that I don't have because I've been there. I can also relate with people that selling book. I have some friends at work. Every time we get into a meeting, the first 10 minutes, I just bought a new M3 and a new Porsche. I'm like, I need to leave this company. <laughs> I'm 
every time, I just bought a new Porsche. The last time, this one bought a new Maserati, bro. <laughs> Better, <laughs> that's your dream car. I'm like, stop talking to me about, I have a Tucson. <laughs> a Hyundai Tucson, and it has car seats at the back. Leave me alone. I've learned to have nothing and to have much. That was the lesson. Money would never dictate my mood again. Never. And God needed to do that. Praise God if you want to. Thank God for me. <laughs> you see, God needed to do that in my life because God probably knew that I would be keeping my eyes on the bag. There are things that God would require you to do that if your heart has not been dealt with, you wouldn't do his will. Yes. So now, I'm comfortable with much or with little. It changes nothing. It changes nothing. As far as my basic needs are met, I'm okay. But you see, the thing about processes, you need to learn the lessons quick. Many of us will stay in university and have, sorry, that's too sensitive. Extra five years. Longer than the actual course itself. God intended for maybe two years of process, you would get you ready, your heart would align, and it even shifted you further away from him. So you stay in the wilderness. And God is watching you. He's more interested in your soul than your happiness. There are some blessings that if God had given me those days, oh, it would destroy me. I didn't know it. Really, at that time, I thought I was a mature Christian. But God was trying to tell me, you're still, you can give, but you're not content. I said, which one is contentment? Is it not, if there's kingdom project, I will fund it. God said, you're not content. You're not content. Hmm. The God of the covenant. I don't know what has spoken to you today. But as we walk with this God, this God, this God that we're working with, there's a method. Sacrifice would litter your pathways. Sacrifice. Sacrifice in self-denial. Sacrifice in commitments you make. The Bible says that the eyes of God goes to and through the earth. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9. So that he might show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are loyal. In other words, who are fully committed to him. As a matter of fact, in the context that that scripture was written, the reason why God said that particular person was not committed to him was because he went to seek help from another king and not God. So sometimes commitment is not really just the way we see it. It's about where do you go for help? Commitment. Faith. We didn't get there. His word. You must be able to hear God. I rebuke spiritual deafness. It is a sickness. It's an emergency. I rebuke it. Your ears will hear God. Your spirit will discern the movement of the spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.